Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Well, amen. It's good to be back. It took, it took some getting back, too. Uh, I travel millions of miles because of what I do, and every now and then I have a battle getting somewhere. So I was supposed to arrive in London at 8.20 this morning from uh, Vienna. And then when we got on the plane, they said, London won't let you come in because it's too windy. So they held us out for about 40 minutes. And when we came down, it was windy. I thought that pilot, he, he did a job. But then we came out of the door and there's supposed to be, you know, at Heathrow, there's supposed to be these automatic doors that let you to get, the automatic doors wouldn't open. So we're stuck and we can't get the doors open. And I'm at the front and I'm the most patient of all of them. So I tried one door, it wasn't working. I tried pushing a button, wasn't it? So in the end, I just pulled the door. Well, the door opens and the alarm goes off. So this big alarm goes off. I just got down there quick. I thought, but everything that could go wrong went wrong. Well, the trains kept stopping, they kept blocking them. I thought this is going to be one of those good days. You know, I read a scripture and I was trying to find where it was in Proverbs. And this is why I became a friend of Doug Richards. Because it actually says, remember your father's friend. And so Doug was such a friend of my father that I honoured him for honouring my father. And we became friends. And now I'm becoming friends with his son. Isn't that awesome? So this is a quick advert, but it's only going to be a quick one. It's everything that you've just been hearing about. I was asked by Destiny Image to write this book, and it's called Unlimited Anointing. Uh, it, it is, you can get it on Amazon, but it's literally showing what the believer has the right to have in God. And it's quite interesting because it, it came as the Holy Spirit was talking to me one day. And he said to me, I want you to talk to the believers about their anointings. Well, have you ever tried to put in the dictionary anointings with an S? It won't let you. It only says anointing. But I want to tell you, there's a lot more than one anointing for the believer. So I've got some revelations on also how to get the anointing and how to walk in the anointing. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to come again to this great church. I thank you for the spirit that is in the church when you walk in. I thank you, Lord, for the welcome of the Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the welcome of the people. But I thank you, Lord, that there is a thirst sitting in the middle of this place. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me stir them up in the name of Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. The Lord said to me, actually, about... Six months ago, he said, I can never go beyond a person's thirst. Isn't that an interesting statement? In other words, you, you will go as far as you are thirsty to go. And we have a, a very interesting revelation that God wants to take you to the fullness of God. But a lot of people, for some reason, have the wrong mindset. In John 1 and verse 11, it makes the statement, he came to his own, but his own received him not. 
But to as many as received him, it uses the Greek word, he gave them the excusia to become the sons of God. That word means the, the judicial right, the right, the authority, and the power and the ability to become a son of God. So let's, let's just do it this way because it's going to get kind of really exciting, I think. The Lord gives you the offer of him, the firstborn. And he says, if you receive me, and the word in the Greek is lambano, you see what is on offer and you reach out and take it. If you receive me, I'll give you a key to the house. So as you receive him, he gives you the key to the house. And what happens to a lot of people, they, they use the key, they get in the front door and they go, whew, I'm in. Wow, I can't believe I'm in. And they close the front door and they lean back against the front door. And they start singing, I'm on my way to heaven, I shall not be moved. Not understanding that he gave you the judicial right and the authority and the power to discover what was in the house. But something happens to us. Sometimes it's our upbringing. Sometimes where, it's where we came from. That we, we, we feel like, oh, thank God for his mercy. But now I've got his mercy, I'll just hang against the door. I'll wait for that great day when he comes to get me. And that's not what he did it for. He gave you the right to be a son of God with the fullness of the rights of the sons of God. So before I take you where I'm going to take you, I want to show you how we mistreat scriptures. Most people who have been saved very long, they'll quote Romans 8 and verse 14. And they say the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. But they do what everybody does. They take the verse out of context, which means, oh, I, he'll lead me to my next job. He'll lead me to my wife. He'll lead me here. But they take it out of context. So I'm going to quote the context. Is that all right? Romans 8, 14. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 15. We're not saved again unto a spirit of fear, but we are saved unto a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So the Spirit of God leads you into adoption to know your Father. Romans 8 verse 16, and the Spirit bears witness with my spirit. So he's bearing witness with me now that I'm a son of God and I belong to my Father. Romans 8 verse 17 makes this statement. And if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's leading you into your sonship and into the fullness of your sonship to understand what is yours. He let you in the door to not leave you at the door. Are you still very hospitable in England? I live in the States now. The trouble with the States, they're like little house on the prairie. What does that mean? They all come to church on Sunday. They're the friendliest people you've ever met. And it's, bless you, bless you, little house on the prairie, bless you. And then they never, ever invite you around their house and you don't see them till next Sunday. So I'm hoping the British haven't got like that. You go around each other's houses. Can you imagine 
If Julian said, I'd love you to come round. I'd love you to come round and have a meal. And he opens the door and you say, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, Julian, thank you so much. I can't believe. Oh, thank you. And you lean against the door. And after about 10 minutes, Julian says to his wife, what's wrong with them? So they both come out to say, oh, you still, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm in the door, thank you, thank you. In the end, he said to you, are you a dimwit? I didn't invite you in my house to stay at the door. I invited you in my house to become part of my house. So what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to take you further. So I'm going to talk to you about something that I think might stir you up. God can't go beyond your thirst. How thirsty are you for God? You have to answer me. You don't have to look at me. You don't know, do you? But you will in a minute. God can't take you beyond your thirst. The Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year, and he told me that something was going to start to brew within the church this year. And there's a scripture in Genesis 26, verse 19, that makes this statement. And Isaac's servants dug and found a well of fresh water. The actual word means fresh living water. Something fresh. Now, actually, if you read that in the original Hebrew, this is what it says. They discovered because they were looking. They were looking because they wanted to find. They were servants of Isaac, the firstborn son. We are servants of the real firstborn son. And we should be looking to discover what he wants us to have. We shouldn't just be with our backs to the door, but we, we should be saying, what is there that you want to do? What do you want to release? Now, here's the interesting statement. They discovered a well. How do you discover a well? You can't. You discover water, you make a well. Because you see what happens, they found something fresh and living and then out of it they, they made a well so that other people could drink from what it was they found. See, Com Church isn't just to be a, a cool church. It isn't supposed to be just, you know, an up with it church. It's supposed to be a church where people find the life of God because the people in the house have touched the life of God in such a way that when people come in here, they meet the life of God. So I'm just going to help you. I don't know what you teach because I haven't been around a while. But in America, and you know this, Julian, you've been there enough times. In America, everybody's all about me. Is it like that in England now? It's about me gospel. We used to sing that old song years ago. I come to bless you, oh Lord. You remember that old song? Now it's changed. I came to church to bless me, oh Lord. What are you going to do for me today, Lord? I've come to bless me, oh Lord. I want to feel good, oh Lord. Because that's why I'm here. If Julian does make me feel good, I'm not coming back. I didn't come to church to get convicted. No, I came to church to get blessed. So what happens 
is that we miss what we're actually saved for. So I want to talk to you about the two wells that Jesus talks about to get you to the fresh one. How many of you remember the story in John chapter 4, from verse 4 to 14, where Jesus sits down by the well of Jacob? You'll come back there in a minute. When he sits down there, he sends the disciples away because he knows what's about to happen, that the disciples will get in the way. The church often gets in the way of what the Lord wants to do. And a Samaritan walks up to the well, a Samaritan woman, and Jesus said, hey, could you give me a drink? And she says, what are you doing, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan? And then Jesus says, hey, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me to give you a drink. And I can imagine, because I'd love to see some heavenly DVDs, wouldn't you? I can imagine her going, are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you bigger than him? He dug this well. And his kids drank from this well. And Jesus, this is Jesus paraphrased by Dennis now. Yeah, I think I probably am. I'm the one that wrestled with him. So he became Israel. And so Jesus, in verse 14, makes this statement. If you drink of the water that I give you to drink, it will well up within you to eternal life. In other words, if you drink the water that I'm talking about, the the well of salvation, how many of you know in Isaiah 12 and verse 3 that our wells of salvation, not just one? So if you drink this water that I'll give you, it will well up within you unto eternal life. In other words, I'll give you a drink that is for you. You drink this and you keep in relationship with this. It will just well up, well up, well up. That's for you. But how many of you know it's not all about you? That's yours from Jesus. That's your relationship. That's the Holy Spirit's life in you. But you know there's another well that Jesus speaks about. And it's found in John chapter 7. Now how many of you know that I don't need this microphone? I learned to preach when we didn't use them. Now, in America, if you use the word yell, it means that you're saying something stern to me. In England, if you use the word yell, you're yelling. And I remember my my kids saying to me, why are you yelling at me? And I was thinking they're talking to me English. And I said to them, if I was yelling at you, you would know I was yelling at you. Now listen to what it says about Jesus. With a loud voice, he raised his voice in the middle of a feast, a religious feast, and makes this statement. And the word means in the original Greek, like a raven calling in the wind, so Jesus' voice is raised. Anyone! that is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. 
and out of your belly will flow. First well, well up within you. Second well cannot be contained within you. You getting it? First one on offer to anyone that will drink of the well of salvation. Second well of salvation. Is there anyone out there in Com Church that is thirsty enough to break through religion, to break through the crowd, to get over the top of all the proceedings and come to me and drink what I want to release in them that will not be held in them any longer? While I'm saying that, I'll have a drink. <laughs> Now listen to what he said. I think, you ever hear R.W. Shambok? I said, is there anybody? <laughs> I just need somebody. See, what Jesus knew is that most people only want to drink for themselves. Julian kept saying, we want the fullness of his spirit. What for? Because when you drink of this drink, this so wells up within you, it cannot be contained within you. When I was uh, born, I was born in a place called Yall, Y-O-U-G-H-A-L, and it's in County Cork. God's sense of humor is too much. I'm born in Yall, and then I go and live in America, and when they say to me, where Yall from? I'm from y'all, no, 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 where y'all from? I'm from y'all. <laughs> Talk about being prophetic, thank you, Lord. But at eight weeks of age, my parents took me to the Church of Ireland and they had me, quote, baptized or christened. And the Irish father put his finger in the font like this, you say. And he wiggled his finger in that little font there. He just wiggled it and wiggled it. And he, just, and he said, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I've even seen the font, actually. And then he crossed me. I, I can't remember eight weeks old going, whoa, whoa, what was that? I didn't remember anything. I get born again. And the pastor says to me, you need to be baptized. And I said, I don't need to be baptized, I am baptized. He said, you are not baptized, you are christened. The word baptism, do you know what the original word actually means? It means to be so immersed that you are overwhelmed. Oh, uh, now I'm going to push it, you might never have me back. Everybody says to me, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I say to you, prove it. I speak in tongues. I didn't ask that. That's a wonderful thing. I'm asking, when was the day where the Holy Spirit so overwhelmed you that He took over everything in you? If we want fullness, it's His fullness, not our fullness. It overwhelms, it overflows. It cannot be held. I'm not just teaching this from, from a, a, a revelation. I'm teaching this from an experience. I'll talk to you about the thirst in a minute. God wants to do something 
across this nation that will take churches like yours that are going to be different and are not afraid of who it upsets when it turns up. (laughs) Anyone that's thirsty, who's not afraid of religion, Anyone's thirsty that's not afraid of crossing over and finding a way to me when everybody else doesn't want this. Anyone that's thirsty that wants the overflow of the life of God so greatly that it cannot be contained. I'm here to tell you, I have experienced it. I've experienced all the Pentecostal things because I was an Assembly of God pastor. And one day, I had the Holy Spirit sit on me for hour after hour after hour after hour after hour after day after day. And everywhere I went, His glory would turn up in churches. It says in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came on them, wonderful. But it says in Acts 4, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they couldn't contain Him. And it shook the walls. It says in Acts 5, that when Peter walked down the street, his shadow couldn't be content. Come on, guys. That's a smelly fisherman. If you've ever been fishing, how long does it take to get the smell off? Try doing it for a job. A smelly fisherman who denied Jesus when put to the, to the wall is now so overflowing with God that all he's got to do is walk down the street. As he walks down the street, his shadow, the Holy Ghost, is coming out of him all over him. Come on. God is no respecter of persons. We are. You know, they're always saying in America, you know, I was born the wrong side of the track. So because I travel a lot, I see some railroad tracks. And I, was, I, stand, I stood on a railroad track that came down from New Orleans and it came all the way up. And I stood on the railroad track and I, I literally said, okay, which is the wrong side of the track? And then I realized there isn't a wrong side of the track, there's just the track. But we're all so busy. If you're brought up in Europe, you've got a thing about the Blue Bloods. No, not Tom Selleck. The Blue Bloods. Well, you know, they have, we don't have. And then if you're not careful, you watch Christian TV. I don't know what to say. I know I'm going to put my foot in it, whatever I do. But if you're not careful, if you watch the wrong Christian TV, it's all about those that have. I said, I've got the glory. And you can always tell because they know how to say it. Oh, the glory. And if you're not careful, you begin to believe the lie that they have, you don't have, because they are those special people and you're the lesser people. When the Bible says, according to Ephesians 4, the job of the fivefold ministry is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So if they do have, they're supposed to give it to you to have. But if you have the mentality that, well, I'm not equal to that, you see. I'm not one of those, you see. You know, I'm one of the lessers. You just said to God, you're not a son of God. Because it tells us in Hebrews 2.10, it was the job of Jesus to lead many sons to glory. Glory is the the weight of God. 
And what I'm having to do everywhere is do two things. is to stir people up to be thirsty and to stir people up to realize it's yours. But if we don't think it's ours, we're not going to do anything. You'll stand up and say, well, I am thirsty, but I'm just not good enough. We know that. Let's get this over with right now. You're not good enough. Have you got it? But he is good enough. And he saved you into him. If he brings sons to glory, it means he brings you to glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 2. The hope of glory, not just heaven, but the glory of God to be revealed. I've got to get over the way I view things. I've got to get over the way I view me. (laughs) Tell me if I've gone too far, but I've only just started. Trouble is, it's dark and I can't see the whites of your eyes enough. I can see one or two people nodding because we do that in church. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to oil our necks because we nod so much. But if I don't change the way I see me, I will never go for what God has for me. For instance, it tells us in Hebrews 4.15 that we do not come to a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Hebrews 4.15 in the King James says, we do not come to a high priest that is unable to be touched. But it says we come boldly. That means without being ambiguous. It means you have a right to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy. It means the right has been given. You don't have to come and say, oh God, you know, you know that I did it again. Oh God. The Lord says, for goodness sake, son, of course I know you did it again. Would you act like a son of God and walk to the mercy seat and receive the mercy? But we grade ourselves so that we won't receive. We think we have to get enough marks in the book of, have I been good enough today? You were good enough the day you said yes. And I found out the nearer to God you get, the more he deals with the issues that you can't deal with. But the attitude has got to be, this is mine. Come church, this is mine. What God wants to pour out is mine. Has anybody got that yet? I'm a prophet. I I didn't ask for the job. I think there's nicer jobs. I would much rather be one of those, oh, God loved you so much. Just God loves you. I, I, I like that, you know, every oh, you're so sweet. But I'm a prophet, which means I see things, and this is what I found out in the church. You go to God. Let's just use you because you're sitting on front and you're smiling. <laughs> and they, they were worried when people approached, well, God, what does he know? What does he know? Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you go to God last night. Say, say you went to God last night. Normally it's Sunday mornings just to make sure you're all right to, to come to church. And you go to God and you say, Lord, I did it again. And the Lord says, yes, I know. Would you forgive me? Done deal. And then you come to church, but you've still got your head down a bit. I know I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, but I don't feel it, Lord. So I just drop my shoulders a little bit. And I say, oh, beat me one more time, Master, beat me, because I'm not really worthy. I'm a no-good sinner. 
And then I walk in, I'm a, I'm a prophet. And you're saying, please know that I sinned last night. <laughs> God didn't tell me, you did. Because of the way you view yourself. This is for all the sons of God. Once you get that changed, then you will start to know that you have a right to be thirsty and you have a right to take all that belongs to the sons of God. What's the, that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach the church. And if you want God to fill you to overflow, you've got to want to have that more than anything else in the world. God told me years ago, and I'm 65, I'm 66 in a couple of months. And he told me years ago that I would be a Caleb. And I thought, oh, that, <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I've got a different spirit. You're going to bring me into the land, Lord. I, I love it. I went, and I heard it when I was 33, and, it, and I went 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41. You know, like they say in San Antonio, Señor, ¿qué? 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. I'm getting a bit edgy. I felt like I was in an auction. 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57. Time is moving on. A day is with the Lord as a thousand years. I'm worried about this. I hit 60. And the Lord kind of said to me by an impression, I know you're Irish, but this is dumb. I told you Caleb for a reason. That I would use you as an older man to help a younger generation experience things that they wouldn't have experienced if you hadn't lasted. That gives you a skip and that gives you some salsa. Yeah, they, they say in America, white boys can't dance. Well, this one can. How thirsty are you? How thirsty are you looking in your life for something fresh in God? So let me show you a couple of things about thirst. And then I'll tell you something that happened and has been happening since. Jesus cries with a loud voice in the middle of a religious festival. Maybe his voice is crying even now to you. This isn't religious festival, this is a church meeting. But when you think about what Jesus said, the normal thing to do would be you walk up and say, Julian, is it okay if I shout out because I'm feeling a little something? I don't want to really mess anything up. I mean, you're kind of free, but if I just went, oh God! I mean, I don't know what would happen. Because after all, you know, we've got to keep the, the, even in a church like this, you don't know that you have been religiousized. I don't know how far to go. I mean, Julian, tell me if it goes too far, because I'm going to go, I'm about to go somewhere. I've been watching, my brother is married to a Jamaican lady. And you know, Jamaicans naturally are quite lively. Yes. Who said we are? Who said that? Right. All right. This is good for me. We'll test this. I, 
go to a Jamaican church who have been Englishified. Do you know what I mean? I'm a 65-year-old white man who is livelier than every Jamaican in the church. And people say to me, what's wrong with you? No, what's wrong with you? How come you can make a lot of noise on a little bag of wind that went through a 22-foot opening? When we come to church, what happened to the church? It's been churchified, it's been Englishified, it doesn't know how to be thirsty. Come on, it doesn't know how to break out. <laughs> now I've been to them twice, but I've got to tell you the story to get you where I want to go. The first time they were just like, I said, what has happened to you? The second time I went, glory hit them. You used to pray for Jamaicans. What, Jesus? What, Jesus? You felt like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> now they were sitting there saying, well, I am thirsty, but in a British sort of way. I'm telling this story in Connecticut. Suddenly I just felt to minister to a few people and I didn't know that one of the black ladies in there was Jamaican. Well, something happened. She went crazy. And as she went crazy, electricity of the Holy Spirit shot into the auditorium and the power of God was hitting everybody because one person said, I am not going to be held down with religion. I want God. <laughs> Is it all right to want God? According to the Scriptures, it's very all right. It just depends on how much you want. I'm in a church in McAllen, Texas. The whole church is Latin. Do you know about the Latins? Anybody hear Latin? Oh, Senor! Yo quiero más, Senor! And that was only one of them. Uh-huh. Si, sí, senor. Listen to this. I'm preaching, and the fire of God has just literally touched me. I'm just telling the truth. As I'm preaching, the physical presence of God starts to come into the church. People begin to shake. Suddenly, one of the Hispanic brothers from the back shouts, Trying to drop this down, Judith. Shouts and says, that's it. I'm, I'm going to, I got, that's it. Right in the middle of church. And the next minute he jumps out of his seat and comes running at me. I'm thinking, oh, senor. How do you, senor? 
The next minute, from this side, someone else does it. Within seconds, the church meeting is totally devastated by thirsty people. They come running at me because that's the only point of reference they can find. I felt like Bruce Lee. <laughs> so you want it? You can't have it. In Jesus' name. I said to God, what was that? I've had people nearly rip my clothes off. They get so hungry. I said, what was that? He said, with joy will you draw from the wells. The word literally means to bail out. You see, what they found out to do is they were so thirsty, they wouldn't let anything stop them, even the traditions of the church. And the next minute, there is a move of God hits them. I've seen moves of God in the last few weeks hit people all over the place. And I'm going to shock you who normally starts it. Older people. Older people, yeah, because they're the ones that have been praying for years. I had one little old lady, she was in the 70s, and the church was 80% Indians, and it, it was a college church. And they're all going, and suddenly she just gets up, and she, she can't walk properly. She goes, I want it now. An old lady, and you know, the power of God hit this woman. The next minute, we have got a move of God on in the church because one person was thirsty enough to break out. Listen to this about thirst. Listen to this about thirst. Oh God, my God, earnestly I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My body longs for thee in a dry and barren land where there is no water. I've seen your power, I've seen your glory in the sanctuary. Therefore, with singing lips, I will praise you because you, in, you inhabit the praises of your people. I know that my soul shall be satiated because I'm calling on you. Listen to verse eight. My soul follows hard after thee. I will not stop until I have what I long for. See, there's, a, there's an advert. Have you ever seen it, Julian? The advert with the Mexican guy. And he comes on TV and he says, stay thirsty, my friends. Church, stay thirsty, my friends. Stay so thirsty that nothing will stop you in your long for God. I've been involved in about four moves of God and every time they come, the Holy Spirit starts them. And all we do in response is we thirst and we run. Listen to what Jacob said in Genesis 32, 26. I will not let you go. I believe that his cry is absolutely, not just because he's the leader, his cry is absolutely God in this moment. 
he's about to release something fresh into the church. But it takes thirst to go after it. It takes thirst to break religion. It takes thirst to earnestly cry on God. It takes thirst to go after God. And if I can't do anything else in my short time, I want to make you thirsty. I want to make you understand that from the beginning of the year till today, I have seen meeting after meeting broken up as people have come running out. I'm in, I mean, where I was, where was I? I don't know, that other place. I was in Budapest. I start talking to a whole bunch of ministers when suddenly an Albanian, I'm only talking for three minutes. An Albanian comes running out, says, now, now. What do you do with that? Followed me around like a little dog saying, I want God, I want God, I want God. What's it got to do with me? It's because I've touched it, that's all. God said to Elijah, go and anoint. Because he touched it. And I believe that God wants to touch something in the midst of this church. That's why I'm here. I'm I'm no better, I'm no better preacher. I have just encountered things. And when I came in, I said, oh my Lord, what has happened to you? The man that I last saw and the man that's here today, there is something crying out like a wolf, crying out for God. You know something in the depth of your being. And it's, it's like a high, oh God, because he knows he must carry what God is doing in this hour. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.